0: Welcome, one and all, to episode 315 of the Signals from Mars podcast. I'm your host, Victor, and for this episode, we have an extra special Judas Priest discography countdown playlist, so on and so forth. My patrons got together and voted for these albums, so let's check the show out. Here we go.
1: Ready.
2: Let's do it.
0: All right, so I'm recording this on the morning of Christmas Eve 2022. Most of you will be listening to this shortly after when I record it. So Susan's greetings to you all regarding your denomination, whether you celebrate or not. But all right, how we got to this episode. So we've been doing these band discussions for some time with my patrons And recently, we started doing playlists to go along with these band discussions or theme discussions. So I decided, you know what? We didn't do them for some of the first patron get-togethers that we had done. So we hadn't done it for Judas Priest, for Iron Maiden, Motley Crue, Scorpions, or Kiss, which are the, the band discussions that we've done so far. So I had... Well, I reached out to everyone. We got about 75% of my patrons to vote. And what takes place is I have them submit their top 10 list. And from their top 10, we, or we, yeah, I assign points to each one of their picks. So their number one pick gets 10 points. Number two gets nine. Number three gets eight. So on and so forth, all the way down to 10, which gets one point. I tally those points up, and I ask them to submit a song to represent each one of those albums. So I take the two together, create the playlist, create the list and countdown that we do during this episode, and that's where you get all this great content. So we'll be revisiting some of these band discussions that we've done in the past to, uh, to do these types of playlists. And the whole idea here is if there's someone that hasn't checked out one of these bands, so you've got a kid, a nephew, uh, your son, your daughter, and they're interested in checking out Judas Priest. Say, hey, here's an awesome playlist, which pretty much goes over their entire discography, because it does in this case. And there's this awesome playlist that is a great introduction to what the band has to offer. So check it out. And then from there, just... Go down the rabbit hole with Judas Priest. That's that's the entire idea. I want to thank my patrons. Not only the ones that are featured on this episode, but the ones that uh, voted and actually the ones that didn't vote well. So let me just go here by alphabetical order. You filter this. All right. So this goes by uh, first name. So it's Anthony Mackey, Anthony Espin. Uh, We have my brother Art Ruiz, we have Brad Dahl, Chris Vaglio, we have uh, Chris from the Despo Geek Podcast, we have Ed Ferguson, the metal dentist Gabriel Ruiz, Eugene, or Gene Eugene DX, excuse me, Jeremy Weltman, Mr. Patron's Pick, Johan up in Sweden, Jose in Connecticut, Metal Dan, our Mike Jones, Twisted Steve Hoker. And Steven Saylor, thanks all of you for your support. If you want to check out Patreon and be on one of these upcoming episodes, whether it's the hour one music discussions or theme specific episodes with bands or gears or specific metal movements, you can do so for as little as $2 a month. Go to patreon.com forward slash. Signals from Mars. If you want to keep up with how to subscribe and follow the podcast, the live stream, or just the social media platforms, go to signalsfrommars.com. You'll find a link from the top, uh, from the menu that says follow. And from there, you can go to all the great places where uh, you can follow, like, share, so on and so forth. Uh, There's also... Various ways you can help us out, not only with Patreon, but also through uh, making PayPal donations, uh, or you can use our Amazon links to purchase uh, anything. Obviously, we're at Christmas right now, but uh, yeah, maybe it would have been a good idea to promote that a little more. (laughs) Oh, well, is what it is. Guys, I'm not holding a gun to anyone's head. I appreciate all your support. I say this all the time. I thank you immensely for choosing to spend some time with the show means a whole great lot means a great deal to me. Jesus tongue tied. Anyway, thank you for listening. And here we go. Here we go with the uh, Judas Priest discography countdown. welcome everyone to the december 16th edition of signals from mars i am beyond thrilled to welcome all of these esteemed gentlemen from all over the world we have johan in sweden we have ed in kentucky we have brad in utah anthony in ireland and we have jeremy in england so welcome everyone aboard here we've been um compiling and talking about Judas Priest. So this all came about because we did a Judas Priest episode, but at that time we weren't doing playlists and we weren't ranking albums and things like that. So I wanted to send the year off with a bang with the uh, signals from Mars live stream. So I had uh, my patrons most voted. We got 11 out of 15 to vote. And from that we've compiled this list every single Judas Priest studio album is on this list. So it is a definitive list. You can argue about, or we will argue about the placement with a few of these. The, um, the bottom few will go over kind of quickly here and then we'll spend a little more time on the top 10, but there are 17 studio albums. Anyone want to gather a guess as to, what album kicks off the list
3: so this Johan? so this is the lowest album the lowest album
0: <laughs> lowest album, number 17 yo mm. you think it is
4: uh, uh, my guess is and it's not a hard guess, but perhaps nostradamus okay
5: Jugulator. okay jeremy what do you think i
6: uh, j- uh, j-
3: I thought it was Nostradamus.
6: Okay. Ed? Mm, uh, Nostradamus or Redeemer of Souls. Later was a good uh, choice, too, whoever picked that one.
0: Okay. We have Jose in the chat saying uh, one of the most recent ones.
5: Anthony, would you... uh... You got to pick one, Jose. Come on, pick one. (laughs) No idea. No idea. Okay. Well... Here we go, and, and to start things off, I usually use this
0: during the um, Trivia Tuesday. Oh,
5: yeah! All right, Mr. Rob Halford there. At number 17, we have the debut album by Judas. Oh, Prince. I was going to say that. Rock and oh, roll. okay. Oh, it's not that bad. At no,
6: the end no. of the day,
5: it...
6: it
0: this always depends on how many people pick an album, how many, um, or where it's placed within their list as well. So, if only one person picks an album, even though it's high, it could end up low in the overall scheme of things. So, what songs
1: were picked off of that?
0: Um, never satisfied.
1: That's a good one. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Good choice. And that
0: out. one I remember. The rest I don't remember because a lot of them are <laughs> almost all the album. I will say there are, there are a bunch of songs that were picked multiple times. And I'll mention a few of them as, as we go on. But it, it made me wonder this week, were some of these songs picked multiple times because it was actually the best song on the album? Mm -hmm. Or maybe there wasn't, or maybe that album wasn't that strong. So it was the only strong track on the album.
5: So we'll, we'll have to contemplate that as the list goes on here. Number 16. Ah. Rhyme It Down. Uh. An album that was much maligned when it
0: came out. So many rumors swirling around it whether Dave Holland actually played on it or not. Um, There were so many rumors at the time that, you know, uh, Turbo and Ram It Down were supposed to be called Twin Turbo. It was supposed to be a a double album. And the rumor is that they used Glenn Tipton's program drums on both albums. Now, obviously, you know, if you've seen the Fueled for Life album VHS from back in the day. I don't know if they've ever released that on DVD or not, but um, they're playing the songs live. I don't think they were backing tracks at the time that Dave Holland was playing to, but you never know. Uh, all right. Anyone surprised so far with Rock and Roller and Ram It Down being at 17 and
7: 16? No, because Ram It Down is terrible.
1: Yeah, that's probably my least favorite as well. The sound, the sound is just awful. I, the production on it is just, ah, uh, it's it's like it sounds like a demo all the way through.
0: And you know what? That's a running theme with this band. When the band produces their own stuff, a lot of times or co-produces it, it ends up happening. You know, there's there's a few albums where that happens, where the guitar sound is just absolute shit. You know uh johan what what were you gonna say were you surprised that ram it down was this far down or rockarola
4: <laughs> Rockerola, perhaps a little but ram it down uh, i picked us much higher in my uh, list because uh, i was uh, 16 with that when that album came out and i went to see mm. them in gothenburg uh so to me that album has a uh, you know when you're 16 and you hear uh, an album that's a special yeah. so uh, to me that's Perhaps not a great album, but it has some, uh, you know, good songs on it. You know, the title track and Blood Red Skies, Hard As Iron. Yeah, a couple of good ones.
0: Hmm. Okay. Number 15, an album that was in, then it was out because various people said, oh, no, no, I want to switch things up. Um, then it came back in today. So with one of the, the last uh, lists that I counted or I tallied into this complete list at number 15, we get
5: angel of retribution.
2: Hmm.
5: All right. Any, anyone
0: expect, expect that album to be that low. But again, when we do these lists, we also have to consider what's ahead. So even (laughs) though it may seem low, we also have to think of what big albums still lie ahead of us here.
1: So I don't know I th- I think it's better than some of the later uh, other later albums but we'll we'll see. This
0: know. this album I'm going to be honest this album was was a disappointment to me. <clears throat> because I felt Boy. that H- Halford's solo was doing a lot better than when he rejoined them and the first single that they release is Revolution and the bass part is a blatant rip off of Jane's Addiction's The Mountain song. <laughs> so that was kind of a letdown. I love the song Judas Rising. Uh-huh. I think that's one of the best things that they've released. Hmm. Man, you've got Loch Ness on there.
1: Oh, that's bad. That's it's way fucking
0: bad. terrible. That's like yeah. one of the worst things they've ever released. And it's like nine minutes long. So, so if it wasn't a steaming turd as it was, it's a big, hot steaming
5: turd. Like The song never ends. Oof. Anyway. All right, 14, an album that I voted for and an album that I think that if Rob Halford
0: had sung on it, some of these songs would be considered classics.
5: Just my opinion, my weird opinion, but at number 14, we have Demolition. Personally,
1: wow, jugula- jugulator rated higher than that. That's incredible. Well, again, depends where it appears on people's lists. Right.
0: So, um, Jugulator was somebody's
5: number two.
0: So that's why it ranks higher. Um, all right. So, so Demolition is at 14. And like I said, I think there's five quality songs on that that if any one of those Halford had sung on it's akin to how I feel about uh, some of the Tony Martin stuff when he was in Sabbath where had Dio or Ozzy sung on some of those tracks they'd be seen in in a completely different light and it's kind of why I think Tony Iommi when both singers came back refried some of his riffs because uh, he wanted to
5: use them with one of those two singers all right 13. Unlucky 13 for some. But I think for this album it's lucky that it got to thirteen. <laughs>
3: Nostradamus. Oh my gosh. Oh, oh. <laughs> Absolute sad.
1: <turd. laughs> Is that why that cover covered Brown? It could
0: be. The other thing I, I totally forgot. You know, I was when I was setting up the graphics. It isn't the classic Judas Priest logo on this. It
1: isn't. right. Mm.
0: So does that mean that the artist, the the graphic designer that originally um, designed the logo, they sent him a a promo copy and said, oh, check out our latest album. And he said, I will take you to court if you use my logo on that album. So they had to use this this other thing. Um, I saw them on this tour with Megadeth and Testament. I've never seen so many people rush to the bathroom or to the bar during songs at a big show. When they played, they played, I think four songs off of this. People were just, there was a mass exodus and they doubled down on the, on the epitaph tour because they played doom off of this as well. And it was the same situation. So it wasn't just the, you know, the one tour, this album just did not go over well. So, We can thank manager Jane Andrews, who convinced the band to record a concept album based on Nostradamus for this one.
3: There is one good song on it. I mean, Prophecy is a a very good song. I mean, I can listen to that a lot. It's good. But, you know, it's, it's a double album. And and there's so many of those little tracks on it, you know, the, the sort of intro type songs right. on it that just really turn you off. And I think after I list, I tried to listen to it again this week and I listened to about five or six tracks, uh, you know, <laughs> so, tried to listen to it all the way through right. and it would just bore me to tears. Yeah, so-
0: yeah, Yeah. There's yeah. That song, the title track, I remember they released that as the first single. And I thought, wow, yeah. this is, this is cool. But of yeah. course, on the album, it's like the neck; it's the next to last song. So yeah. to get to that, there's so much. There's there's like three okay songs off of it, in mm. my opinion. Mm. And you have some guy down out in Ohio that listened to it for like four hundred straight times or something like that. He's in the Guinness Book of World's Records for it.
1: <laughs> I thought you were gonna say he was in a mental institution.
0: <laughs> no, I I don't I don't know if he was um, training for for being waterboarded or something,
1: some type <laughs> of, you know, they will never uh, get the truth out of me. If, yeah. There, there you go. All right. I'm playing two songs off of that album on yard metal. So off of, um, off of uh, Nostradamus? Nostradamus, only one off of a uh, angel retribution. Yeah. Okay. So, so there you go. Is, is that
0: like the, uh, bathroom break or, you know, for, for people that have a hard time sleeping, they, you know, one of those two comes on.
1: Uh, I don't know. So far, nobody's given it a thumbs down. All right. So what do you I know? Do that. Yeah, you can say you don't like a song there.
0: <laughs> number 12, an album that's been named a few times already. Hmm. Said it was number
5: two on someone's list. Jugulator. Jugulator. Ed, you said this was an okay album.
6: Wow. No, I was I saying I, I don't think I cared for this one.
0: Okay. Okay. I, yeah, I
6: I thought that might be at the at the end.
0: Yeah. Jugulator, I think was. I mean, let's let's think of the time period because Halford had left to do fight. The the um, to me, painkiller was a reaction to what Pantera was doing, and a lot of other thrash bands at the time. Uh, Halford kind of raised the bar with fight after that. And I think they came back saying, oh, we can out-heavy you. And, you know, I like the song Bullet Train off of this. Uh, Cathedral Spires is okay. There's like two, three songs that are all right off of this. But the rest of it just seems like, to me, like Musical Olympics. Like, let's show that we can play, you know, double bass for, for, I don't know how many. How how many straight bars that we can you know, so that so that kind of thing.
1: I I think it contains the most hilarious Judas Priest song. Okay. Decapitate. That is that's brilliantly with the whoosh sound in right. there. It's yeah, it's. Hilarious. <laughs> it's that, you can't listen to it without laughing. It's hilarious. <laughs> I'm not playing one song off of this album on Yard Metal, yeah. so. There you so whoever go. rated at number two, tell me what your favorite song is, and I'll play it. <laughs> All right, if you dare say who you are.
0: <laughs> at number eleven, I mentioned this
5: album before. This album was crapped on at the time. <gasps> Turbo, oh, yeah. Now it's funny because I was listening
0: to Despo Geek's latest. Episode And they, they were saying that Metallica chased a lot of trends throughout the years. And I don't know that I subscribe to that. I think Metallica has kind of always, whether they were right or not, tried to kind of do their own thing. Did St. Anger come into new metal territory and stuff like that? No question. But they never released a turbo where, you know, and the album has some good songs on it but they obviously were going after the Motley Crue crowd. They were going after the Dockin' crowd. They were going after the LA crowd with, with this album, in my
5: opinion. A- anyone think different than that?
6: No, but I think it's got some good songs. Yeah. Uh, now, you know, this, this 86, right? Mm-hmm. That's the year when, man, all kinds of keyboards took over our heavy music. Right. And so that part was hard for us to accept. Right. But over time, you know, now listening to it, like this week, I listened to Parental Guidance, that's a good song, Turbo Lover. You know, it, it takes me back to being sixteen years old again mm-hmm. in a heartbeat. And I enjoy the songs. I almost I almost put this at number ten, actually. Okay.
3: But yeah, got knocked off the list. Yeah. yeah. I was the same with that. I, I almost put it in mine, I think, as well.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> Honestly, I think the best song off of this wasn't even included on the album. If you have the uh, reissues that they did in 03, I think it is, there's a song called All Fired Up on it, and that's there's no way that Dave Holland plays on that. Um it's a shame that, you know, with all the reissues they've done since, they've never included any of those like B-sides or unreleased tracks that they had in the uh, 03 copy. Like they uh, they've gone back and done Screaming for Vengeance and Defenders of the Faith and British Steel, but none of them include, you know, Prisoner in Your Eyes, none of them include uh, Heart of a Lion, you know. And it's a shame because these are songs that kind of became cult classics, um, for the band. So,
6: hey, have you ever heard of a band covering Turbo Lover, making it heavier? I thought another- that this week that would be a uh, you know, take out the keyboards and give it some super heavy guitars. Okay. That'd be a good cover song. That's,
1: I mean, pretty much when they play it live now, there's really no keyboards. Right. Oh, uh, well, yeah. I think they did I that. on the.
0: And, and I, I, I will say that, uh, uh, I did receive a Judas priest cover this week. Um, it, it's, wasn't turbo lover but it was breaking the law by someone who is present and uh and and i enjoyed it quite a bit because it's got a lot of angst and attitude with it so even though anthony isn't hitting rob halford's notes there's just something to it that kind of you know you got to think about it that song especially for people growing up uh you know in in England or Ireland at the time the, the song was was a direct you know response to what was going on in the country what you know that a lot of the youth didn't see uh you know a future in 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 what politics were were presenting um obviously Ireland is separate from from England but you know uh go ahead anthony. Great.
7: Are you talking about turbo lover here now? <laughs> or, no, 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 I'm, <laughs> I'm saying the
0: law. <laughs> I'm saying uh, breaking the law. I think that yeah, yeah. that that the way that you approach it was very authentic to to what the song is actually about. I think we've gotten used to the song becoming kind of glossy in a radio hit, but you know, I think your version kind of brings it back to the the essentials of what it was like when that song first came out in the late 70s. Yeah, it,
7: yeah it's quite fast and well that was the only time we ever played it that was a, okay. it was a one off party it was a party night so you know that that version
5: suit, suited the night cool <laughs> that's
0: awesome um all right so real quickly here before we jump on into the 10 we have rock and roll at 17 ram it down at 16 angel of retribution at 15 Demolition at 14, Nostradamus at 13, Jugulator at 12, Turbo at 11. And whether we agree or not with where these albums are placed, at the end of the day, this is all subjective and opinion, and you like what you like. So I think Judas Priest has enough quality material in their catalog that, um, that I think there's something there for everyone. I I think another thing that kind of came up with me this week that I, that I want to discuss in the new year is maybe comparing their catalog to some other bands catalogs Um, comparing maybe to Maiden's catalog or even Metallica's catalog. You know, how many of the overall albums are good to great as opposed to how many are, are clunkers with With each band, because I mean, I think we all of these bands I just mentioned have a streak where they obviously have a just great albums that they've released. But can we say that all the way through the catalog? That's that's the thing. All right. So at number 10, an album that
5: I still listen to all the time and I rather enjoy it. It is firepower. I think this album was a return to form, in my opinion.
0: This is what I had been waiting for since Halford came back to the band. I felt like Angel of Retribution um, was was just... Um, uh-oh, I'm seeing... Hold on
5: a second here. Did I screw something up here? I believe that I have. Uh-oh. Hold on. It's not, not going to change. Up. It's not
0: going to change the top ten. You sure we're not going to have to start over? No, we're not going to have to start over. <laughs> Besides, I, I have to get up at seven thirty. So, uh, <laughs> fine.
5: Um, what did I do here? Oh shit! It sounds bad. <laughs> okay. So, all right. So this is the actual order. There's one album <laughs> missing here. So there's
0: 18 albums. Oh, Rock, wow. Okay. Rock and Rolla, Ram It Down,
1: Angel of Retribution, Redeemer of Souls. There you go. I was going to say, how did it make the top 10? Mm.
0: <laughs> Demolition, Nostradamus, Jugulator, and then Turbo. And what I was... I, I messed it up because this was a last minute list that I received and I was rushing around to do it. So completely my fault. Um, I didn't think angel of retribution was strong. Like I mentioned, I thought redeemer of souls was, was bad. I thought the production was terrible on that. The guitar sound a lot like what you guys were saying. Um, Just didn't sound good. It sounded like, like, they recorded it through through like an old boombox. You know, it just didn't sound good to me. So Firepower was, I'd been saying for years, they need to work with Andy Sneap. They need to work with Andy Sneap. I didn't say you need to hire him as a second guitarist, which ended up happening. But I think Andy is good at channeling the essence of the bands that he works with. And that's what I think he did with, with Priest. And I know a lot of people also credit uh, Tom... Alum for that as well. Whoever it was, thank you for Firepower, you know. Um, it's one of the best albums by a band that late in their career, in my opinion. For me, the, Firepower blows away anything that Maiden has done since Brave New World, and I could argue maybe even going back to
5: Seventh Son.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: So You're anyone right. else want to say something about Firepower?
0: I, I,
6: this album is crushing. Yeah. Uh, and I was blown away by how great it was when I first heard it. And of course it won that year, a lot of awards being the best metal album. Yeah. And uh, I agree with you, what you said. Uh, I think this, yeah, this is probably, you know, even with some of the older records, the only reason they're higher on the list is just because of how classic they are to my memories. Right. And this album, man, I'm uh, I'm not done listening to this one by far. I think I might invest in the uh, vinyl on this one, too. It's good enough yeah. to spend money on.
3: Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I mean, it, it's an album that I think if they'd released in the 80s, you'd be talking about it as an absolute classic now, mm-hmm. a total mm-hmm. classic, because I think it, it's better than some of the classic albums. But in some ways, you're looking back on those classics with a sort of, you know, um thinking about what you were going through at the time but th- there are some really great songs on here really great songs and one
6: of the most heavy metal moments in history happened here in my town with richie having that aneurysm that was that show was here in lexington and uh man he kept playing that guitar solo while he's bleeding out on the inside yeah. i mean how heavy metal can you get that was <laughs> cool yeah
0: did you have something to do with that, Ed?
6: <laughs> no, but uh, boy, I, I kind of wish I had been there to witness that.
3: <laughs> so fortunate he was clo- close to the hospital. I mean, you know, it could have been yeah. So yeah. much worse. Yeah, yeah
6: we have a really good heart hospital here that he was very close to. That probably yeah. helped. Absolutely. Anyone else want to say something
0: about Firepower?
4: I just agree with you all. It's a great album. And as. As Jeremy said, if it would have been released in the 80s, it would have been a classic. Great songs. I really I like agree. this album.
0: I agree. That was one of my sticking points when I would do the show with Mark, where um, he mentioned how uh, they played two <laughs> songs off of this when he saw them. And he, and he says to me, nobody wants to see songs live by Firepower or off of Firepower. I'm thinking, I do. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd prefer to hear something off of this. As opposed to hearing, you know, 13 minutes of You Got Another Thing Coming, which is what I've gotten to see before. So, not bad in the moment, but in retrospect, you think, man, we could have gotten two more songs out of that. Um, number nine. Now, here's one that I kind of alluded to before. And I'm going with the European album cover. Mm. Point of entry, not the uh, dot matrix paper in the desert that uh, we had in the States. And um, this album by far the song that most people voted for was uh, where's this
5: Desert Plains and Solar Angels. So does that mean that that album wasn't that strong and those were the only two good songs off of it or
0: is it that those two songs are just universally so good that people voted for it
1: you know they opened up that tour with solar angels and it was it was incredible it was a great opening song i mean it's very heavy uh Desert Plains has never been played live as well as it was on the album, if you ask me. And plus the the Rob screaming thing live at the end of it that went on forever. That that was just really tough to listen to. So great song, though, on the on the on the album. There's a lot of great songs in there. That's a that's an album I can listen to. It's very different.
0: Uh, I, I have to quick rebuttal there. The okay. one song that Ripper Owens did live better than Rob is Desert Plains. If you check out the Live in London album or Meltdown 98, I think it's called.
1: Yeah, I've got the DVD. I'll have to put that on. <laughs>
0: yeah, okay. Yeah,
1: R- Ripper tears, tears that stuff apart on that album.
0: So on the DVD, on the bonus section... There's a black and white video that they have for that, where it's just them rehearsing the song. And to me, that's, to me, that's better than the original studio version. My opinion.
5: But uh, anyone else want to mention something about point of entry? I know that uh, Kerry King
0: always complains about the fact that he saw them first on this tour and that they were all in Denim instead of leather, and that that pissed him off. That um, that this was their um, softest album.
1: He said, "It was a cool stage set they had. I think it's the first time I've seen a band where the amps weren't where you could where you could see them.
2: Mm-hmm. They had
1: some kind of background cover on there. It was a really clean stage, and that was it was actually a really good concert." Okay. So
5: moving on number eight Hmm? and after sin. So, um,
0: there's, I mean, this is eight. We all have a feeling. Well, like I said, every album from their discography is here, but there's a lot of these seventies albums that, because I came onto the band later in the eighties, I started listening to these albums later and revisiting these albums this week. I was like, man, you know, I focused on this time period because it was around the time that I got into the band, but there's just so much stuff. There you go. See, that's one of the, uh, uh, Oh three remasters. And now that makes me think I have a bunch of those in, in the other room. I used to have the entire set. It does the whole Judas priest symbol. If you line them up. Um, but go ahead, Jeremy. Sin after sin.
3: Yeah, I, I was a bit like you. I got into Judas Priest around 1980, so I had to go back and listen to the, um, you know, the 70s stuff. But I actually think I prefer the 70s stuff sometimes. I just think that, you know, it's it's very tight, uh, almost slightly proggy. Um, very sort of early um, production, but the songs are just amazing. If you, if you right. listen to Dissident Aggressor, it's just an amazing song. And Starbreaker, um, it was, a you know, an early sort of commercial type song by them. And it sort of, you know, gave you the, the impression of what they were going to bring off later in, in sort of, you know, all those singles that they brought out. Um, and, and you're really sort of blown away by Rob's voice, I think, as well. Um, and obviously, "Sinner" is a great song as well, the opener. Mm-hmm. So um, I just think it's a great, it's a really great album, and you know, it's just sort, of, it's it's of its time. But um, you know, if you if you're really into Priest, you're just going to go back and and listen to these early '70s stuff and really like it.
0: Yeah, I I do think though, it is of its time, but at the same time, you listen to a lot of these songs. And it's not as if they don't fit with the rest of the catalog. You know, a lot of. As much as some of these albums mean a lot to me, I listen to Sin After Sin and think, wow, it isn't this album or this other album. Man, it could slot in right behind it like there isn't like a deep fall off like it isn't. It isn't comparing Seventh Son to Sinjitsu, for example. You know, it isn't something like that. It's a lot closer to, you know, what got me into the band. Um, anyone else want to mention something about Sin After Sin?
1: Yeah, that's the first Judas Priest album I got. Uh, the first one I saw in the United States. And my buddy in England told me that I had to get it. And and I did. And I, yeah, it just blew me away from the very opening you know, guitar of center. Um, I yeah, and, and uh, Simon uh, Phillips his drums on there, right? Uh, off the charts. Yeah, he it was just so his his drumming is so precise, tight, but yet groovy and um, yeah. I think it's a fantastic album. So there.
5: Okay. At uh, number seven. I mean, my comments are gonna be the same
0: as what I just said about sin after sin. It's kind of the, the the same exact uh essence. Stained class. You know, just just think about it. Think about those big eighties albums and think that these all came out a decade before. Like there, there's there's like eight timeless albums that they they released, in my opinion. Eight albums that helped form what heavy metal was all about and still is about, um, stained class. Who wants to mention something about
5: this?
6: (laughs) I will, uh, has to be in your proto thrash playlist.
5: Yeah.
6: You know, that's, uh, one of the influences, the drumming in there from what I hear. Yeah,
5: absolutely. That, that intro is, is there?
0: I mean, that's that's why. I, a lot of people argue that Black Sabbath was the first metal band. In my opinion, it was Priest because to me they took Sabbath's kind of blueprint and turned turned it up a notch. And similar to what I was saying before about the catalogs, I love Sabbath. I love every era of the band, but technical ecstasy and Never Say Die to me don't compare to these these last two priest albums that we just mentioned. They're good. These are great.
6: This one also has the song that they were reading in court. Right. And they were trying to be sued better by they you. Better be than right. me. Yeah. Mm. That's a great
1: song. The, well, the way they do it. I, I got to say something about Judas priest. When they cover a song, I, well, other than Johnny be good, we got to throw that out. But when they cover a song, they make it infinitely better. Like you, you listen to the originals of any of these right. songs they covered yeah. it's like what that's a why would you ever cover that it sounds awful and they took it and and uh, just made it an incredibly great song i in my opinion this is the, for me this is the perfect heavy metal album i love the the sound of it the the production is just uh, the drums sound so good this i used to take a cassette of this that i recorded uh to the local uh, stereo shop and they had a room in there with all the really fancy expensive stuff and i go in there and throw it on and put on their best speakers and crank it. And they, those guys, it was funny how they would let me listen to the whole thing in there. And it sounded so unbelievable. It was so good. It's just the best sounding album. Every song on it is great. I mean, well, I mean, or better than good. Uh, there's not one that you're like, yeah, I'm going to skip this song. Every single song on it, there's no filler. It, it's, it's a great album. So there, my favorite.
0: So, so what would happen, Brad? You'd finish the cassette, and they say, "All right, kid, tapes over, beat it."
1: <laughs> um, sometimes I didn't even make it that far, uh, you know, because they re- I'd go in there like every other day, and right, and just crank it, and uh, they put up with me for a while. Then it'd be like, "Oh, not you again! Did you bring your tape with you?" <laughs> <I> was, yeah. <laughs> so if you got somebody in here who wants to listen to something, fine, but otherwise, I'm listening to this, well, right? They'd have- They would kick me out. Yeah. (laughs) Um, All right. At number six.
5: We're on a roll in the seventies. Sad wings of destiny. Um, This is if I. Remember correctly the first album available in the States, "Bad Wings,
0: because I think Rock and Roller didn't come out till much later.
1: Yeah, you you couldn't find it though till I mean I'm trying to remember when I actually saw it in the store and bought it. It was it wasn't Sinner was out first where I lived. Of course I it was Los Angeles, so you know.
5: It
1: wasn't what? Kentucky. Oh, there we go.
5: Yeah, there we go. Jeremy
0: showing off the, the entire priest catalog.
2: <laughs>
1: this, uh, this album is where priest became priest. I mean, the first album was just kind of them getting it kind of figured but, out. But this album really was priest bringing the metal.
0: This to me, priest, what I always like to say is priest took, like I mentioned before, Sabbath's blueprint, removed the blues to an extent and threw gasoline on what Sabbath was doing. They upped the beats per minute. They made the guitars louder. They weren't as muddy, you know, and there's nothing wrong with any of that because I love all that as well, but it was just a completely different approach that, yes, nothing, well, nothing arguably can beat Sabbath for their influence, but I think Priest is just as influential with a lot of stuff that, what came after years ago. In a Talking Metal forums, I argued with somebody who said that Slayer had a bigger impact than Judas Priest did on music in general. And I said, when you have three or four Slayer members saying that they're one of their biggest influences, then right there it just shows that Priest has a bigger influence than Slayer. Not to take anything away from Slayer, but I think they impacted more bands than Slayer ultimately did. Ed, who's the biggest Slayer
5: fan here? Bigger into, yeah, you're right. Yeah,
6: yeah, Judas Priest is definitely one of the major influences, and I think this album is too. This is this is most of the time my favorite record, and as you were talking about earlier, going back into the 70s catalog, that was one cool thing about being a teenager in the 80s, and you start listening to all these. Bands that were gaining some new popularity, and then being able to go back and look through their uh, old catalog and discover all kinds of new things, mm-hmm. and you know, I, of course, I did that with Priest, but I love this record so much that I didn't listen to the other records as much. Uh, <laughs> I now I listen to the whole catalog a lot more now that I've been collecting vinyl for the last twenty years or so. But when I was a kid, I was Pretty much always pulling out this album right here. Okay, and and this
0: album, uh, Tyrant, which was one of the early names of Overkill, um, and they they covered this song Genocide. I believe they covered Genocide as well, not mistaken. So again, so much so much of an influence on what came after them. All right, so let's go through the top 10 real quick. At 10, we have Firepower. At 9, we have Point of Entry. At 8, Sin After Sin. At 7, Stained Class. 6, Sad Wings of Destiny. And at 5, we have something very curious that I didn't find out until years later. In that you have an album that has two names. Killing machine
5: for everywhere outside of North America, hell-bent for leather in the U.S. and Canada. Interesting to me that
0: killing machine was no good for the label because from a marketing standpoint, it wouldn't work. But with all the satanic panic and everything that was going on, an album with the title hell in it or with the word hell in it, that was okay. So I've never understood why from a marketing standpoint, killing machine was no good, but hell bent for leather was go figure. Um, Jeremy, do you have hell bent for, or do you have killing machine on you?
3: No, in fact, I don't. Um, I think it's in the car, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but I do have it. And it's a great album. I agree with you. You know, it's a it's a brilliant album. Um, I wasn't aware till um, much later in life, in the probably in the past five or six years, that there were two names for the album. I didn't even know that. But obviously, I you know just knew it as Killing Machine in the UK. Um, And you know, it's got it's got some great songs on it, but also it's got that amazing cover. Uh, I've got the T-shirt, actually, of the cover, and I just love it. Um, It's just, you know, it's brilliant. But if you look through the songs, I mean, there's some great songs on there. And they do that great cover. I mean, Brad's just mentioned about covers. Uh, The Fleetwood Mac cover, I didn't even know that it was by Fleetwood Mac when I first heard it. I just thought it was a pre-song, and it was just brilliant. And went back and listened to Fleetwood Mac later on. Um, Yeah. yeah, Really good album.
1: Their version is, I mean, the original is nothing. Like what Priest did. Well, it's it's,
0: like, a, it's the same thing with Diamonds and yeah. Rust.
1: It's yeah, how did they exactly. get there? I mean, it's almost yeah. like they rewrote the song, but yet didn't get any writers credit for it. So, <laughs> I don't know. and and, and but, Diamonds uh, Diamonds and Rust
0: when they got back together with Halford, they started doing it in concert more like Joan Baez's original.
2: Yeah.
0: But it's it's as as you're saying, it's just so amazing that. They're able to take almost any cover and make it their own. Almost. Almost, Johnny be good. Oh, that Johnny was- be good though. You have to remember that was after working with um, uh, what was the name of these UK producers? Was it Brooks and Waterman who had done Pet Chop Boys and Human League and? And all of this stuff, and, and, and they had worked with them on demos for Turbo. And I don't know if Johnny B. Good was originally approached during those sessions or if it was right after or what the situation was. But
5: anyway, number four, my favorite by the band it was my number one and
0: I didn't think it would end up as everyone's number one, but I'm happy it's in the top four.
5: It is Painkiller. This is an album that I've heard old-school
0: Priest fans say that they don't like it because it's too heavy. Um, I've heard people say, you know, this is them keeping up with Pantera and. Bands like that at the time, and they didn't need to get this heavy. But to me, I mean, outside of maybe Nightcrawler, it depends what mood I'm in, I can listen to this album front to back without stopping in in most cases. That's the only song that I kind of, not that I don't care for it, but I don't think it's as good as the other ones. But what do I know? uh painkiller anyone want to mention something about that jeremy you you threw yep. the uh, cd up there
3: yeah I've, I've got to actually love this album more and more over the years it's kind of like that girl at the school disco that you kind of almost you like a little bit and then eventually you marry her um it's it's just a it's a I, i'm really starting to think this is this is probably my favorite album but i didn't quite get there when i put in my list um hmm. It's it's just one of those you just want to turn up, and it's a proper metal album. Um, you know, if, if Priest were ever proper metal, this this is the album that really <laughs> pushes them over the over the edge. And obviously, we know why. You know, they'd all they've had that court case, and and they came out afterwards right. and 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 released this. And and you go through all the tracks, and there's not I don't think there's any fillers on it. I'm looking through, and I'm thinking I can hear all the choruses. You know, coming at me from all these songs. And it's it's just a really, really great album.
0: Yeah. To me also, the introduction of Scott Travis into the band, uh, that intro to the song Painkiller with him just putting a stamp on things and, and showing people that, you know, what he could do. It's funny because I've had people tell me, well, you know, he's just a cookie cutter metal drummer. And I no. thought, really? I'm like, have you heard the stuff he's done in racer X and other stuff where he's a good songwriter and just probably did whatever Glenn asked him to do on that. And they wanted to come out and make a statement right out of the box, you know, and they, the title track starts out with, with a, um, with a semi drum solo for that intro has a drum solo breakdown in the middle. And then the ending you know his part is also a, another like soloish type thing. Two very long guitar solos as well. I mean, they they weren't shy with this. You know, with that being their first single, either. You know, they've yeah. again they've never been shy to say, "Hey, we're a metal band."
1: So. you know the the story I heard was that um, <laughs> the song "Painkiller" that Glenn had programmed the drums for it. Mm-hmm. And they were using that as their audition for right. drummers. And Scott was the first person to sit down and listen to it and actually play it perfectly. Huh. That's, okay. that's the story I heard. I don't know if it's okay. true, but yeah. But yeah. So yeah. Cause you, if you listen to it, it's like, hey, what drummer would sit there and say, okay, this is what I'm going to play to open up this song. It kind of makes sense that if some goofy guitar player is going to sit down with a drum machine and come up with that. Mm-hmm. Right. It's great though. It's awesome.
0: Yeah. Anyone else want to mention something about Painkiller?
1: Yeah, yeah, I guess
4: I'm one of those fans that said it it's not priest. Um <laughs> <laughs> I re- I bought an album when it came out and I saw the I saw them on tour. Uh and uh, the opening act were Pantera on Cowboys from Hell tour and they blew Course, Judas Priest off stage. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And Rob seemed uh, tired, I remember. Mm -hmm. And he left the band, uh, obviously. But uh, now on my list, I think I have it uh, on nine or 10. Uh, It's a good album, but uh, not my favorite. Uh, Judas Priest for me is, I guess, perhaps a little bit more killing machine than painkiller. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ed, do you think they went too heavy with this?
6: Uh not for me, but I do I, I do get what Johan's saying there. That does make when you put that album on, it does sound like something different. But it's you know, mm-hmm. good different. Mm-hmm. Although let's see, I was twenty when this came out and I was so checked out of heavy metal listening to you know, thrash and death and hardcore that uh, and, I, and I don't remember any friends of mine picking up on this album either at the time. It's one that I've, I, you know, I actually think that. Uh, what, what's the, the song Painkiller? Mm-hmm. I became more aware of that song in this record when I heard death doing that cover right. of Painkiller, which I'm sure mm-hmm. you all have heard. And it's just yeah. phenomenal. And uh, so, yeah, this is an album I'm listening to a whole lot more now and it's good, but I get what what Johan's saying. That makes
1: sense. Okay. Uh You know, other than probably what are going to be the top two albums on our list, all other albums sounded different. I mean, every time you got a new priest album, you'd put it on and be like, this doesn't sound anything like the album that came before it, except for there's two albums that kind of sound like they, they, are part of the same thing, but, uh, we'll, we'll get there.
5: Okay. And, and I will say top two, very close in the voting, very close three, four, and five, very close as well in the voting. So, um, it, it goes to show again, how strong the, the catalog is. So at number three, Brad, you said the two. Brad,
0: right now, what do you think the top three are? Let's see.
1: Well, it's, it's obviously going to be British stills in there. And right, what's
0: what's the order? What's the order of the last oh. three albums?
1: Okay. I'm going to say Screaming for Vengeance is going to be one. British Steel, two, and then Defenders of the Faith, three. That's what I would say. Mm. Anthony's giving you the thumbs up. Uh, hey, or, I'm sorry. Jeremy's Jeremy Jeremy kind of moaning over there. What do you think, Jeremy?
3: <laughs> well, I think it's going to be Screaming or British Steel, one or two, probably Screaming. Yeah. And then obviously Defenders, I think, might be number three. Yeah.
5: Johan?
1: Can't hear you. He, he says it's going to be Iron Maiden. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I, um,
4: since we have uh, American uh, listeners and followers here on Patreon, I guess that We're blaming uh, on us. Uh, screaming for vengeance will be number one. Okay. And then Richard Steele and then Defenders.
0: Okay.
5: Anthony, does that all sound good to you? Sounds about right. Okay. So at number three, Defenders of the Faith. There you go. So this album, for me as a a metal music listener as a kid, um,
0: we didn't hear any of these songs. Oh, so you've got the the uh, reissue. I've
5: got.
1: That's not just a reissue. That's a super bonus.
0: Yeah.
1: 30th 30th anniversary deluxe. Yeah. Deluxe.
0: (laughs) I just have the vinyl reissue. (laughs) That's cool. That's not as good. (laughs) I I get points taken away. Style points get taken away. Jeremy (laughs) wins. There you go. But I remember New York radio. After 10 o'clock, the DJs could play almost whatever they wanted. And there was one DJ, Dan Neer, who would say, my dad is a huge metal fan. So I'm going to play Love Bites by Judas Priest for him. And he would play it once a week. Hmm. So although I knew, you know, some heads are going to roll and breaking the law and living after midnight. To me, Love Bites was like the first real like metal, like non-commercial song that I heard by priests, not to say that I didn't love those songs because they were closer to what I was listening to, but love bites to me was like an eye opener, especially how it builds up. And then that, you know, the, the guitar part right before the, um, uh, the solo there, which is just so unique, which then anthrax incorporates into their song called Judas priest. So, um,
5: uh, defenders of the faith, uh Ed, your thoughts on this album? Uh this is an another one that
6: I've listened to more as I've gotten older. Okay. Um, see this was uh, this record was 84. You know, there was so much stuff coming out at that time. And you know, for me, as I've shared before, you know, I, it was hard for me to discover a lot of things until I got a little bit older and you know there's just so much stuff for me to even go back and discover that I was just listening to everything and um, so you know I I wasn't listening to this record all the time because I was probably listening to a lot of other bands um, but it, here again it's another record that kind of fits that that year 1984 the sounds of it and uh, had a lot of good songs and even though i didn't listen to it that much growing up i think i put it pretty high up on my list as uh
5: as one that has a lot of good tunes on there yeah agreed johan your opinion on defenders
4: Hmm? my number one uh the first album I bought with Judas Priest, one of the albums, uh, in my life that I heard most times, mm-hmm. not a weak song. I love every single note on that record. Uh, it's a perfect heavy metal album. So, um, it's uh, to me, it's, uh, clearly my number one.
5: Okay. Brad. Your opinion on this
0: album?
1: Yeah, this is how I tell how old people are. When they you talk about Judas Priest and they say that this is their favorite album or um, Screaming for Vengeance is their favorite album. I know they're 10 years younger than me. So good, good, for, <laughs> you, good for you guys. You're going to live longer than I will. Um, I think it's a great... I, I enjoyed the album a lot. Uh, I thought it was just a... Like I said, if the first time the next album didn't sound that much different than the previous album. It sounded like a uh, screaming for vengeance part two. Um, yes. This is where I kind of started checking out of the band though. When I saw them live on this tour, they were just, it, it seemed, I mean, it, the show seemed like less about the music. They didn't care about playing things well. They just kind of stood there and Rob, Rob couldn't hit the notes. So he would sing things lower and uh, it just, I didn't, yeah, I just felt of- like this is more about more about image than music at this point. Yeah. There's a uh, lot of but,
0: uh, drugs and alcohol. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I didn't realize that at that point. Yeah. When I saw him on this tour, Great White was opening up. They just put out their first album, mm-hmm. and they were really good. They were like a real metal band back then, uh, and Don't tell they, them they were. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. Well, anyway, they were. They were really, really. Jack Russell yeah. was so on. And, um, but yeah, enough about them, uh, priest. Yeah. It's a good, it's a, it's a good album. Sounds good. Good songs. Uh, not everything on there I think is, uh, excellent, but it's a good album. I, I, I think what you said,
0: because I didn't discover the entire album until years later when I bought the catalog and I started getting those reissues and that's when, when I realized that, um, uh, and actually before the reissues, but anyway, I was like, Hmm, th- these albums could have come out one after the other, which they did. But what I, what I mean is they could have come out, you know, both in 82, uh, because to okay. me, they're so close to one another, uh, in the material and in the style. So,
1: yeah, I, I think, and I'm just totally guessing here because screaming for vengeance was their biggest album ever. Okay. At that point, they're kind of like, "Well, let's not screw with the recipe here. Let's let's try to do that again." That's kind of what I think happened. Yeah, it could be like, "Well, we're done with what we did on our last album. Let's do something really different here," which is what they'd previously done.
5: Right, and and I'm trying to think. the um... Okay, so again on. Screaming, you have a
0: song written by Bob Halligan Jr. Take These Chains. Yep. And on Defenders, he writes some Heads Are Gonna Roll.
2: Yeah.
0: Which is the one song that they don't want to play live now. And supposedly Mark told me that had to do with the fact that they don't want to pay him royalties. So
1: Wait, uh, well, that's a whole nother discussion. I think you can pretty much play anything live and nobody's getting money. But... They can still come after you. Good luck. If you don't. Yeah, where walk. is Bob, where's Bob anyway?
2: <laughs>
0: Who knows? But I'm sure. Somewhere, he, somewhere in Arizona. I'm sure he. If he's not around, he's probably got some family member that uh, that would be willing to make some money. Oh no, he's still. He's still. Uh, he's still around.
1: All right, I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna form a band, and I'm gonna play some heads are gonna roll. Every time we play, just to stick it to the Halligan family.
0: <laughs> oh wow! And then also the song "Twist on Resurrection" with him. Ah. So Anthony, for you, priest in Ireland, was priest in Ireland a big deal? Because
5: I think you mentioned that they didn't get to Ireland until many years later, right? you You're turned off, can't hear you yeah, it's back
7: on now, yeah, um, I think painkiller was the first time they played oh no no, no, no i'm t- no. they they played they did a big outdoor festival in seventy nine I think uh, supporting status quo, mhm, and Rob talks about it in his book, um he had trouble getting the motorbike on stage or something. Uh, yeah, but that was before my time, so. Okay. I don't. I don't know. But then, then the first time I witnessed them come into Ireland was on Painkiller. Okay. I think that was Painkiller. Yeah, And I was at that. Um, yeah, they were. Well, yeah, well, my introduction was British Steel and. Uh, yeah, they they were they were pretty. So were as big as any other male band. You know, Maiden. Um, I don't
5: know. <laughs> no, that's cool. That's fine. That's a,
0: that's. I mean, that's what I wanted to hear because, obviously, as we've talked in the past, there's always been different types of um, ways that bands or different movements have been introduced to. Um, to
5: people, depending on where they are. So that's, yeah. that's cool to hear that. Yeah. Johan, did you want to say something? Oh, okay. I thought you were motioning that you wanted to say something. Okay. Jeremy, uh, anything huh. regarding offenders?
3: No, I think I just echo really what everybody said so far. I mean, I'm, okay. I'm the same as Brad. I think that, um, you know, you've had these other albums that came before, and I think that it replicated a lot of what's come before. Um, so, at the time when it came out, I wasn't so into it. But when I've you know gone back, uh, you know, as an older person, listened to it, I really really like a lot on it. But you know, songs like "Free Wheel Burning" and you know, whatever jawbreaker, they could have been on the 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 earlier album, sort of treading any new ground this album. So in that respect, that's why I don't think it should be, you know, the, 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 the best album that they've ever done.
1: Okay. Free free will burning sounds like, okay, we got to have a, um, screaming for vengeance on this album. Okay. This this is going to be this song.
5: I, I love that song
0: though. Again, there's, I always think back, we talked about the new wave of British heavy metal a few weeks ago. There's one, uh, a magical mixtape cassette that went around between my friends. Uh, some other people had in that when I arrived, they are like, here, you got to check out some of this stuff. And it had Crusader by Saxon and blow Your Speakers and Carry On by Manowar. And um, I think it may have had uh, Aces High or something like that. And then it was Freewheel Burning was on there. And I had never heard anything like that. Before hearing that song, you know, I've, I'm trying to think if I knew about Anthrax and Megadeth at the time, I must have. But that song to me just stood out from the speed and and Rob's vocal cadence uh, in the middle of the song there, where he's singing really fast. I mean, that to me, I'd never heard anything even remotely like that. So I. I've always loved free wheel burning. So, and even later on, Rob would play that in fight. There's um, one of the fight EPs. They, uh, they cover that song. So. um, All right. So moving on to number two, everyone was pretty unanimous with their order.
5: And we will now see if everyone is right. At number two over. Nope. Over this shoulder, right there. I'm pointing to it right there if you can see it. And actually, the poster. British Steel. Yep. Number two. Now,
0: Brad, you're saying um, that Screaming for Be- Vengeance is their biggest album? It's bigger than British
1: Steel all these years later? Maybe not all these years later, but I mean, as far as putting them into arenas in the US, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah, When they put put out British Steel, they were headlining the Santa Monica Civic, which is like, I don't know, 1,700 people or something like that. But when they came out with uh, Screaming for Vengeance, they were headlining arenas.
0: Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I I agree with that. I mean, you have to think that at one point in time, um, priest, maiden, and Scorpions were very close to one another with regards to the size of the crowds they were drawing. And they all had that one big album that just put them over the top. Um, I think all these years later, British steel though, with breaking the law with living after midnight, it's gotten so much play on radio that sold so many greatest hits
5: albums. Um. I'm cutting in now guys. Oh, okay. Oh, that's Jer- Jeremy you're mentioning that. Okay. Oh. All right. Um anyway, so
0: yeah, I living after midnight and um and breaking the law have sold so many compilations whether it's Band compilations, whether it's, you know, rocking to the whatever, you know, metal anthems or hard rock anthems. These songs have been all over the place and they've been all over the radio, uh, all over the world. So I think all these years later, British Steel is a bigger album. But I understand exactly what you're saying. I mean, this was their um, or not this, but Screaming for Vengeance was their number of the beast and their. Love it first thing.
1: Yeah, this, this, this album brought him to the masses. I, my, my girlfriend at the time, who was not a fan of the band, when I got this and put it on, she said, boy, if they do music like this, I w- I would really, you know, be into this band. So she was into this album and she was not a hard rock person. Hmm, okay. Which is, which is why I got rid of her.
0: No. <laughs> That's why you showed her the door. Okay. That's right, Jeremy, what, how big of a deal was British Steel
3: in oh, England? I, I mean, yeah, uh, I mean, it was, it was probably the, big, the biggest album at the time. I mean, the, you've got to remember that British Steel was as big as Iron Maiden's albums at the time. It was as big as Def Leppard. It was as big as Saxon. Probably, you know, it was probably one of the biggest um, heavy metal albums or hard rock albums or whatever you want to call it at the time um there were three singles off it they were all getting a lot of airplay um for me it means a hell of a lot i mean this was this and saxon's wheels of steel were why i I got into heavy metal in the first place um you know i was at that age where i was just getting uh, influenced by the new wave of british heavy metal but obviously priest had been going for a little bit longer and then they suddenly came out with this album and it was just amazing um can't tell you how much i love this album. Uh, And what it means to me is, is incredible. And, you know, those songs breaking the law, United living after midnight, um, you know, we've heard them so many times on, you know, you can immediately sing them in your head. Um, That's what makes a great
5: band. Yeah. I, I agree. I'm assuming that
0: Man U still plays United at their games. I guess so <laughs> the, 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 the Crosstown rival there um, Ed, for you,
5: British Steel When did you stumble upon this album?
6: So, you know uh, Like I've explained before, most of my discoveries were At friends' houses, seeing MTV uh And, you know, Screaming for Vengeance came out the year after MTV showed up on TV, on cable yeah, TV. Yeah. So for me, most of the time it would be like I I remember seeing the Screaming for Vengeance video. And uh, that was teaching me about new bands.
2: Mm-hmm.
6: And then I'd go back and discover other things. But, but I also remember with MTV, you were seeing Screaming for Vengeance. Um, what was the video that they did for uh, "Screaming for Vengeance"?
0: Some heads are gonna roll.
6: No, the other one, the other. Uh, I don't know. no, no. Uh, <laughs> you've got another thing coming. Yeah. Got another thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was. So after that, that, then you yeah. then they started re, you know playing the yeah. videos from British Steel, and uh, but you know British Steel iconic record. All the songs are great, and. You know, one thing that's cool about heavy metal with uh, songs that are iconic that get played over and over again, they're always still good to listen to just by turning up the volume. Uh, So sometimes you can listen to Breaking the Law over and over and over again, where you might get a little tired of some of the other classic songs that the radio plays over and over again. But yeah, breaking the law. How can you not like that tune? That's a, that's a, that goes on the list of the greatest heavy metal tunes of all time. Absolutely. And and Jeremy, your
0: copy doesn't have the extra limited edition unglued top because mine. The second unglued I unwrap top.
3: it. Oh uh, no, it does. It does. Mine. Mine. mine Look,
5: <laughs> the same thing. You, you, you think that
0: fucking Sony of all people could have yeah. added a little more glue here to make sure yeah. that, you know, the, the, uh, what is it? This was the 30th anniversary. Yeah. 30th anniversary yeah. deluxe. It was the first deluxe box, you know, uh, package that they released from mm. priest. So there you go. So I thought, I, I thought I was special, but obviously I'm not, there we
3: go. They've all done. Yeah. They're all like it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um johan british steel did you go back to discover this then you said defenders was the first album you'd listened by to them
2: mm. <laughs>
4: uh, yeah of course i went back yeah uh, i remember i was uh, in the local record store and listening to uh, to that record in the headphones that oh, wow. were there yeah uh, and uh, rapid fire i remember was you know i i this must be as hard as you can play. I remember thinking it was a right back then fast and cool song, so which ah, is still a classic album. I don't listen to it anymore because you know every song has been played so many times, but uh, right. yeah.
0: Even still, I mean the magnitude of this album: Rapid Fire, Metal Gods, Breaking the Law, Grinder, United. You don't have to be old to be wise. Living After Midnight, The Rage, and Stealer. At least the first seven songs I've heard, you know, on metal radio or hard rock uh, shows over the years, constantly. So Eddie Trunk was playing these song, uh, some of these songs, when other people weren't even coming close to them. So uh, we got to listen to uh, quite a bit. This is one of these albums where, by the time I got around to the album, I was like, "Wait a second, I know all these songs already." You know, because these late night shows were playing. You know, well, one week they played Rapid Fire, another week they played. Uh, you know, you don't have to be. You don't have to be old to be wise. Was played all the time. That and delivering the goods was played on college radio, the local metal station, all the time. They never played any of the hits, but they played those two songs ad nauseum. So, um, Anthony, you actually obviously covered Breaking the Law.
7: Um, Yeah. um, Well, we did that basically because it's easy to play. (laughs) Sure. that's why we did that um but yeah this this album like this 1980 this is like ground zero you know for for me you know like it was like back in black and like this so it, it, it's a very exciting time you know discovering music and discovering metal and uh, right. so we really listened to this album a lot back in the day, and the album cover is so amazing, uh, so sparse and perfect. And um, you know, so when "Screaming" came out, that was like, you know, the, the foundations had been laid. We, I I thought this was their first album. You know, like I never right. heard them before. Um, so. So there's a bit of a curve there by the time the Scream for came out, that was Peak Priest. And then sort of a, a drop off after that. You know, like I the last thing I bought was I think was the, the Turbo twelve inch single. Mm-hmm. Turbo lever. And I kinda of lost interest in Priest since then. And like I, I went back Obviously, the first album I ever bought was Sin After Sin, mm-hmm. uh, and even even that was kind of weird. It was like a weird album compared to when, it, like, when your introduction to Priest is British Steel, right? And then, like a year later, you buy Sin After Sin, you're like, and you, and you're you're twelve. You're like, what the hell is this? You know? <laughs> so I didn't really listen to it much. uh so I don't know I, I I think Priest I kind of take for granted they're just this band that's always there and even today I was listening to some of their albums and I'm like I know all these songs you know you just you don't have to get into Priest you you just know them <laughs> right um, maybe maybe you just take them for granted well I. Take them for granted a little bit, in that I never really bothered with them
5: because there I hear
7: them, I know them, so why should I uh, make any, any extra effort? Because there's so much music around. Priests are always there, you know. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to put into words how I feel about them. Yeah, it makes sense. Not, yeah. I'm not really into Dutres free, if you know what I mean. Even <laughs> though this album was formative. Yeah, certainly.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and I get it what you're saying, you know, because this album, if you really analyze the catalog, this was the first like super polished album that was recorded with a purpose, was pristine where the other albums, much to what Jeremy said before, they had the songs, but you could tell they were from the 70s because of the production, because of the technology that was available. So you go from something that's super pristine and sounds, you know, state-of-the-art at the time, sounds so fresh and so different, and it's a landmark album, like a Back in Black, like you said, when you even compare that to some of the earlier ACDC stuff, you listen to one or the other, you know, you listen to Sin After Sin, and it's just, it's it's something different. It's great, but it just doesn't sound the same. So, you know. Uh,
7: just kind of bluesy, like blues rock, you know. <laughs> but I don't know. I've always had a kind of an issue with Jewish Priest's guitar sounds. <laughs> there's something yeah. about them. They, there's like a kind of a chorus going on with their power sounds, but I just don't like.
5: There's, there's some,
0: some fucking effects box that JVC made for Glenn Tipton that, um, and I may have this, you know, I should, I should have been prepared for this. Um, I think Chris Sangaridis said this to me with his comments for, for the album Painkiller. Let me see if I can find this real quick. Yeah, of course, because his comments kind of stand out to me, they're, it's the first thing that comes up. So I should have read this before. But anyway, Chris Angaridi said, what can I say about a record that I made without sounding like a complete egomaniac? Uh, but this record is one that I'm very proud of on many levels. I was in seventh heaven during this project. Uh, It is one of the most cohesive and focused heavy metal albums, in my humble opinion, of all time. Uh, We set out with the objective of making a great recording, and that's how it came out. It is so hard to get clarity in the sound when the tempos are so fast, but because of the great arrangements between the instrumentation, we managed and achieved this. Uh, It has also inspired a whole slew of bands to carry on in that tradition of power speed metal. Okay. So I must've heard him say this somewhere else, but I believe it was during painkiller that he came in with this effects box that he used on Ram it down, which is what Brad mentioned before. And Sangariti said, what shitty sound are you playing? You know, use a Marshall, use a, You know, Mm -hmm. use a distorted Marshall, which is going to give you the sound that you want. Not that shit. And I remember him saying that it sounded like he was playing through like an old boombox or like a transistor radio. So, yeah. So you have that on on, um, Redeemer of Souls. You have it on Ram It Down. You have have it on a few different albums where he uses that for his solos as well, where it's.
1: Listen to Glenn's solo album. His guitar sounds awful.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's the same thing. He's left to his devices. A lot of these bands, one left to their own devices. Yep.
1: And nothing carries else. over into the Ripper albums too.
0: Yeah. 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 Because he was the one manning everything at the time. Yep. Yep. It's the same. You mentioned the goofy lyrics before who wrote those lyrics.
5: He right. wrote them. Yeah. So they wouldn't let Ripper write shit. Um. British Steel, who hasn't talked about this yet? I lost track. <laughs> Brad, Brad, did you? I talked about
0: it.
1: Yeah. Oh.
7: Okay.
1: Okay. My my mom liked British Steel. How about that? There you go.
7: That's right. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> and she's, yeah. I remember her coming in when I was I had it on, and she goes, "This is pretty good." Oh wow! Yeah, my mom. My mom. Me mom. Yeah. My hey, mom. There you go. The, the the bad British
0: accent of the night. And look at that. It wasn't me this time. <laughs> All right. So let's uh, move on to number one then.
5: Hmm. Screaming for there. vengeance was the only thing left. Johan, you said before, since you Americans are voting,
0: obviously screaming for vengeance is going to be number one. Hmm? <laughs> uh, yes. Your your opinion on "Screaming for Vengeance"?
4: Oh, of course, a very strong metal album. Uh, perhaps for me, uh, the songs that I
5: skip is "Take This Chance," "Fever," and the rest is great. Okay,
4: absolutely great. And my favorite is "Riding on
1: the Wind." Great song. Yeah. Yeah, that is a good song. Mm-hmm.
0: I will say that my copy is courtesy of Mr. Mark Striegel. Um, I was lucky enough that when the uh, the reissue came out, he sent me his old copy. Because he was making room for it. And this thing still has the old um, thing for ordering T-shirts inside. Yeah, I remember that. T-shirts, pins, posters, badges. We don't need no stinking badges. We don't need no stinking badges. T-shirts, baseball jerseys, sleeveless T-shirts, sweatshirts, ladies' tops, baseball caps, hats, (laughs) stickers, buttons, wristbands, badges, gold pins, programs, poster, and Hellion picture disc. The Hellion picture disc cost $12 plus 150 in shipping. Probably cost you about $300 today, something stupid expensive. The t-shirts, $10, $1 shipping.
1: Nice. Those are the days.
0: Those are the days. I will say that the last time I saw Priest with Motörhead and Saxon they were selling t-shirts for 85 euros.
5: That's too much. You think?
1: Yes, I do think. They was- I, I, get it. I get it though. That's how bands are making their living now is off of merch. <laughs> and uh, I don't blame them. I don't blame them for trying to make some money. It was, but they were tie dye t-shirts. Do you? Yeah. Do, no. Do you-
0: to, and that's why limited edition hand dyed t-shirts they were selling them for priest for saxon and for motorhead 85 no. bucks a piece next to that you had halfords imitation uh affliction t-shirts which also cost the same thing so just weird screaming for vengeance uh jeremy your opinion
3: yeah well uh just think that how do you follow up an album like British Steel, which had, um, you know, all killer, no filler. And you, you you follow it up by bringing out another album, which again is, for me personally, is all killer, no filler. Um, but, but also it's got on the, uh, I think I mentioned this before, my favorite start to an album or my favorite song by priest and it's the you know the hellion electric eye which i could play every single day of my life until i die uh, and i will never ever ever get bored of that beginning where it it kicks in uh, i just think that that is heavy metal it just describes priest it describes metal it describes what i like in music and you know it really hit me when that came out and also i had um there was a friend at school who had this album he was uh, a year older than me and uh we went back to his house after school and he said i've got the new priest album do you want to have a listen and i said yeah of course so i went round and we just looked at each other in the face when he put it on and we just went <laughs> <laughs> and you know we just thought wow that sounds brilliant um and you know it's it's great and it's got a slightly strange production to it and a slightly strange sort of the way the guitars sound on the album, but I like it. Um, and I can see why it was so important for them, and I can see also why it sold so many copies because it came after British Steel. It came at the right time. Uh, you know, it was in the right year. Uh, to to be selling so many copies and and you know put them on the map. I think. Actually
0: point of entry came out. Yes, thank you. French I was gonna say
1: that's how you follow up British still is with point of entry. Yeah, so, it's British still was,
0: point of entry, then screaming for vengeance.
1: Yeah, this again, this was kind of the answer to because people were saying point of entry wasn't heavy enough. And so they went heavy. And like after turbo, what'd they do after turbo? Ram it down. Well. They tried. Oh, ram it down! No, ram, no. Did, did they yeah. ram it down after Turbo? Yeah, Turbo ram you know, it down. I'm not a stink. And okay. then
0: Painkiller. They, they, ram it down yeah. and Turbo were supposed to be a double album called Twin uh, Turbo.
1: They sound nothing the same. Okay.
0: <laughs> no, but I I get what Jeremy's saying. That happened right, while, while I was doing this because you think about monumental Priest albums, you think about yep. British Steel. You, th- you think about these top three albums, and to be quite honest, the top four to me are my top four favorite albums. And it's because they're so monumental, you kind of forget the point of entry was kind of in the middle there. But, <laughs> but I get it because I think when you, look, when you look back at their catalog, obviously these are the ones that British Steel, Screaming for Vengeance, and Defenders really stand out. That's why you guys voted them one, two, and three. and specifically. As I mentioned before, Screaming for Vengeance only beat British Steel by two points. So it isn't as if it was a, a runaway thing. The two of them were clearly head and shoulders above Defenders and Painkiller and Killing Machine, which were the next group. But those two were by far everyone's on everyone's list. Um,
5: Ed, your opinion on... Streaming for vengeance.
6: I feel very much like Jeremy. All of his comments are pretty much what I am thinking too. Uh even though I give more love to Sad Wings of Destiny, I think this album with the Hillian and Electric Eye has their greatest song, the heaviest song, and uh represents, you know, priest better than any other tune they've made. And uh, I like the guitar sound, uh, the guitar playing like an electric guy. That is a fun, fun song to play if you're a guitar player. Uh, you know, it's not just some bar, bar. It's not just a bunch of bar chords. They're playing some, you know, a lot of open chords and they pack a lot of good stuff in there. It's a good guitar solo. I don't understand why Johan skips take these chains. I've actually had to take these chains stuck in my head for the last 24 hours and it won't leave my brain. I keep singing that chorus over and over again. I may feel like you by the time it does get out of my brain. But man, what a hook that song has. Uh, the, only, the only thing that I wish is that with that guitar sound on You've Got Another Thing Coming, that guitar sound makes that song a little bit less heavy than it could have been. If they had just cut out some of that chorus or presence and had the uh, guitar tone of some of their earlier records on that one song, it would have had a little more jug and been a little heavier. But still, you can't, it's hard to criticize that song. It's iconic, it's great. Yeah, Ed, listen to Saxon's version of
1: uh, Another You Got Another Thing Coming. Have you heard that?
6: No, I I didn't. I'll do that this week.
1: Thanks. Yeah, check it out because the guitars are super heavy. Yeah, it's. I like it's, that. Yeah.
6: yeah, when I heard that, so I was like, awesome. "That's the way the song should sound." So I'm, I'm with you on that. Um Also, as I lay dying, that metalcore band, mm-hmm. they did covers of the Helion and Electric Eye that are just okay. insanely heavy. Now, if you don't like metalcore hardcore vocals, you'd probably be turned off by that. But <laughs> uh still, the drumming and the heavy guitars just makes you know that song is just. So, super heavy. It's just, it would be hard to blow that. So, here's one thing that I wanted to bring up
5: the way that they start off most of their albums. So, Sad Wings of Destiny starts out with Victim of Changes. Sin After Sin starts out with Sinner. Sinner.
0: Uh stain class starts off with exciter, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, yeah, You're right. Um killing machine starts off with
1: delivering the goods.
0: Delivering the goods. Then we get into British Steel, which is rapid fire. Um point of entry, which is heading out to the highway. Screaming for vengeance, which is um is electric eye, you guys just mentioned. Defenders is freewheel burning and then we could keep going with painkiller and so on and so forth. But what I'm getting at, we all know that bands strategically plan the order of an album, the sequencing, but is there a band that is better figured out how to kick off all of their albums where that first album or the first track off of the album if you listen to it 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 instantly hooks you in to want to listen to to that rest of that album i mean it's all of these songs that i mentioned are songs that you listen to and just get you pumped up i mean it just it's just something about it and you know there have been other bands that have come after that have tried to do similar but it just something about the
6: quality of these songs you know so, they say that the songs on sad wings are out of sync out of order okay but so I think that's, that, but that was a fortunate mistake, probably. <laughs> uh, and I was just reading on Wikipedia that they've released Sad Wings with the songs in the order that they think it's supposed to be, probably beginning with Prelude. Okay. Uh, that'd be I, actually I've not heard that, listened to it that way before. But uh, I don't. I think Decibel Geeks one time did an interview with someone who either wrote a book on Judas Priest or specifically that album.
2: Mm-hmm. And that's
6: where I first heard that story mm-hmm. about the songs being out of order for some reason.
2: Yeah, that's but still, always man,
6: that was. That, but like I said, a good mistake because that song starts off uh, or that album starts off uh, perfectly.
5: Well, that's uh,
0: that. That was when I bought um, the Elder in Europe on CD because I wanted the remastered copy. Um and then I realized that everything was completely out of order. I'm like, what the hell is this? You know I'm the album? Yeah, the album sucks as is. You're telling me the Oath is the sixth song? You know, the the one of the only good songs off of it that like kind of kicked the 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 album off and I got to wait through I got to wade through six turds to get to the the one good song off the album. What the hell's this?
5: So.
1: Yeah. Weird. That's pretty much um, life, right there. By the way, that's <laughs> through. that's a pretty much a good description of life. You got to wade <laughs> through a lot of turds to get to something good.
5: Absolutely.
1: <laughs> and it, it, by the way, my British still started off with breaking the law. My vinyl copy, so did it? Yeah. So, how, how, what was the order like then? It wasn't rapid fire then. Breaking the law, and then rapid fire, and then Metal Gods Grinder. And then uh, United, then Living After Midnight opened the second side, and then you don't have to be old to be wise. The Rage, and then Steeler finished. So, so I don't know where they put Breaking the Law second on yours. Oh wait, so, so, so
2: yeah,
0: so so actually on Wikipedia it says the 1980 U.S. release,
5: it has it listed like that. Mm-hmm. And then everywhere else breaking the laws track number three.
6: I forgot about that. That's right.
5: Huh. Man, what f-
0: fuckery these guys at Sony, you know, between changing <laughs> the names of the songs, between changing the orders, you know, there's the, um, park at the moon is another example of that. They, they renamed songs. The, the European copy has different songs than the U S copy. It, and it's all the same stupid label. It's all uh, Columbia Epic Sony. It's,
1: it's, all, it's all the same shit. Yeah. The, the weird thing is, as a kid, when you buy an albums, you had no idea that the rest of the world was different. Right. Mm.
0: Well, figure this. In the Napster era, they were still releasing albums six months apart. So yeah. they, they, they were thinking that people were on the Internet and they weren't talking to one another. I weren't downloading shit that was released in other parts of the
5: world, so go figure. Anthony, anything you want to mention about "Screaming for Vengeance" before we wrap things up here?
7: Um, no, it's it. it this is great. Like you know, the unlike Jeremy, the first two tracks are just amazing, and the you know. I, I love the cover as well. It was so different at the time—the yeah. yellow uh, and just the the, the graphics of it—and like I like the way they continue that onto Defenders. Mm-hmm.
5: Um, no, it's it's it, it, it's a really great album. Cool. All right. So, any last things that
0: you guys want to mention before we wrap things up here? Any last Judas Priest? Any uh, afternote or afterthought regarding the band, Jeremy?
3: Yeah, just to say that obviously next year they're going to be releasing a new album, so it'd be really interesting to find out how we rank that amongst the ones we've just ranked. And you know, I'm really looking forward to hearing it.
0: It's supposed to be more proggy and with longer songs, is what Richie Faulkner's saying.
1: Mm. Yeah, we'll see. Uh-
0: that 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 kind of scares me. I keep thinking of Loch Ness and Nostradamus.
3: Loch Ness is, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but we it could somebody. be like victim, victim of changes. So you know, you don't know it. Let's let's keep an open mind and let's let's look forward to it. All right, it'll be great,
0: Jeremy. I'm with Jeremy on this, I'm, I'm with, yeah, glass half full. All right, Jeremy. Thank you. Thank you for. For for getting us out of the, the lifeboat and getting us back onto the ship. All right. Excellent.
5: Uh Ed, any parting thoughts on Judas Priest?
6: Um gosh. Not other than what we've already said and just explaining how iconic of a band they are. I really liked uh what Anthony had to say about them just they're always there, you know. Like I explained to you guys, it was hard for me to choose a or or rank these albums because they're all good to listen to at any time, pretty much. I don't really have one that I always pick out more than the others. Um, You know, I, I have a couple I like better, but you know, it's just been a great band. And if Firepower ends up being their final album, they couldn't have done a better job on their way out. Totally agree. Johan, any parting words?
4: Yeah, you know, there's Iron Maiden, there's ACDC, and there's Judas Priest, and, you know, they're one of the big ones. Uh, and I'm so... I mean, the world should be happy that Judas Priest formed in Birmingham in the early 70s or late 60s. So one of the best bands ever.
1: Yeah. The, the, we, we should stop this right there. What Johan just said should be printed and put in stone somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, Thank you. The,
0: no, but it, that, that feeds back to what uh, Anthony said, you know, I think they're definitely a cornerstone band that's always been there and has been ultra important for, for heavy metal, for rock music, for hard rock music. I mean, it's crossed over so much over the years and, British steel you got to understand you know the the call to their city to Birmingham and what that meant for actual British steel <laughs> you know so very in tune for you know where they came from Brad any uh, parting words
1: I can't top Johan <laughs> I'm going I'm going to go with his words <laughs> There you go That's Other than you guys you guys are awesome thank you for doing this this has been a lot of fun
0: yeah, always fun to chat with all of you, uh, Anthony. Anything you want to say before wrapping things up?
7: Uh, just so uh, it's been really, it's been really nice to listen to everybody talking about Judas Priest, and I feel a bit bad because I I don't like them as much as you guys do, and I, I even today I listened to a lot of them and I was like, oh, no, no, thanks. But uh, and I, I've always felt that they have been sort of chasing trends over the years, um, and yeah. they haven't had that kind of identity that that Maiden have had. They, they um, always thought of them as a kind of a almost a poor man's Sabbath, or you know, or poor. Man. But maybe I'm wrong. You know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You're wrong, but we're glad you're here.
5: <laughs>
1: there you go. Yeah, every hey. Cherry, every cherry needs a pit.
7: Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, but it is
7: amazing. It is amazing to think that the band that that made, you know, "Sad Wings of Destiny" also made "Painkiller." Like that's amazing.
2: Yeah, that is amazing. <laughs> yeah.
7: No, oh, and then
0: you're, you're 100% right. When when they talk about bands chasing trends, Priest did it, like I said, Turbo, Ram It Down, then Painkiller. You know, they, those Wait, were all what the
1: trend they, What trend did they chase with Ram It Down? I think they created their own kind of <laughs> trend with that. It's like, let's create something nobody else has ever done and nobody ever wants to duplicate. <laughs> <laughs> okay enough I, I, yeah. I, I, we, we should have kind of, stopped with Johan
7: yeah we should have stopped. <laughs> <laughs> all
1: right and on
0: that note then we will um, bring the show to an end thank you Johan Ed, Jeremy, Anthony and Brad for joining me thank you to Jose who was in the chat there's a few other people checking in and out who didn't chime in, but at least we're watching. Um, thanks to anyone that watches or listens to this after the fact. It's been a pleasure to speak to uh, all of these fine gentlemen once again, and we will have to do this soon, um, do it once again soon. And this is the last live show for the year, so I do want to wish all you guys uh, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, so on and so forth. We'll be back on January 6th with our favorites of 2022. So mark it down. You want to join us and talk about your favorite albums of the year? Join us on Patreon. You can do it for as little as two bucks a month. So that is it, folks. Thanks again. And we'll catch you next time right here on the Signals from Mars. See
2: you.
5: to the show on all your favorite podcasts and platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon, and more. Go to signalsfrommars.com for more information. This includes
2: our show.